Hey y'all, welcome back to the podcast. Um, this is episode eight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, we're glad to see you here. Um, today, as you saw in the title, we're going to be going through Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20, looking at, is Peter the first pope? And was that um, role given to his successors? Um, so really, do we have any grounds for a pope coming from Matthew 16? Now, I don't know if y'all can hear it, um, we got a new microphone, and I think it sounds a lot better. I'm actually listening to it right now. Um, hopefully, it sounds good on the uh, on the finished product. Um, but we'll, we'll we'll iron things out and get it sounding good soon. Um, and also for um, future podcasts, we are looking to get all three of us in so that we're all talking at the same time, um, and it's not just one of us. Uh, you know, rambling about one one topic once we you know once we get all three mics but let's get into let's get into Matthew 16 real quick um, hopefully you know may, maybe I'll be doing a series on this on the papacy um, you know I can I can see myself doing that maybe the next three episodes will be that but for right now we're just looking at Matthew 16 because that's the that's the prime Catholic proof text um, for the papacy and I'll just read it to y'all real quick uh, starting in verse 13 it says now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi he asked his disciples who do people say that the son of man is and they said some say John the Baptist others say Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets he said to them but who do you say that I am Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, saying, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. So what I want to do is I want to go through that passage and just, you know, look at observations. Because, you know, one of the big differences between Protestants, specifically Reformed Protestants and Catholics, is we hold to sola scriptura and we, you know, see scripture as the final authority so we tend to go through and and, um, and exegete passages, whereas Catholics, you know, maybe don't place so high an emphasis on that because they have the church as their final authority. Um, but we'll go through that. We'll, we'll we'll do a series on that because I want to I want to talk about that some. But I want to look at some observations in the text and then go through and and uh, look at interpretations, historical interpretations. Um, so first, we see that Jesus is traveling exclusively with his disciples um, he's not with another you know he's not with a larger crowd as he was before and he's he's with us he's with his 12 disciples the main guys and he asks the group two questions he's trying to trying to extract a response from them um, he, he's not singling out any any one person he's asking both questions to the group as a whole um, you know, we see things like they said, he asked his disciples, he said to them, which makes it clear that he's talking to the group of disciples. And he's trying to 
to extract this response from them. And so Peter responds to the second question with the answer that Jesus was looking for. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus responds to Peter's statement of faith by telling him that the father revealed that truth to him and that it was not of himself. Now, we know that it was not of himself because look look a couple verses later, verse 22, Peter, it says, And Peter took him aside, him being Jesus, and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Um, essentially, Peter's trying to rebuke Jesus for, for saying that he has to go to, to Jerusalem and die and suffer. And... To me, that doesn't sound like something that somebody who really understood the declaration of faith that was made in verse 16 uh, would say, but, you know, whatever. Um, and I think, and, and, and going on to verse 18, Jesus, used words play, Jesus uses wordplay. Um, says, uh, verse 18 says, And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not shall not prevail against it. Now, if we're looking at that solely through the English language or the English translation, it's easy to see how someone would be um, led astray or confused by that. It looks to to be at face value that Peter is the rock upon which Christ builds his church. But if we look at the original Greek, we see something pretty interesting the word for peter in greek is petros p-e-t-r-o-s which is a masculine um it's a masculine word it's a masculine name and it means stone or little rock or or little stone or pebble it can mean all those things um and now the, the word for rock later in that verse is actually petra p-e-t-r-a which is a feminine name or a feminine word, and it means bedrock or boulder or large, you know, large mass of rock, whatever you want to say. So Jesus is essentially saying, you are a little stone and on this bedrock I will build my church. And now going on to the, the, the really the tougher parts of the passage, talking about binding and loosing things in heaven, um, first thing that comes to mind is verse or is Matthew 18 verse 18 Jesus actually uses the same phrase he used in verse 19 but towards all of his disciples and towards the church as a whole rather than just to Peter um, and that's in the context of laying out instructions for church discipline how to how to carry out church discipline things like that and he's addressing a group of people a bunch of people not just Peter so immediately we can't say that that part is talking about a role that is specific to the Pope because, you know, it's given to, it's given to, I th really it's given to the, the church as a whole, I think. Now, just jumping into uh, to the interpretation part, um, the rock that the church was built on, I believe, is not Peter himself, but rather the statement of faith that he made. There's a there's a bunch of guys that I respect that that say that the the rock is actually Christ himself and has nothing to do with the statement um, that Peter made. 
I don't think that's the case. I think that the rock is the the statement that Peter made, the uh, the declaration of faith. Um, now Jesus is claiming that the church is going to be built on the the principle that Jesus Himself is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, as it reads. Um, and and really, if it were so that Peter was the the Petra, the little I mean the 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 bedrock upon which Christ builds His church. Surely the gates of hell would prevail against it, right? Um, again, going back to uh, 22 and 23, verses 22 and 23, you see Peter rebukes Jesus, and Jesus actually responds by calling him Satan. He says, he says, um, And he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Um, and, and of course we know that Jesus, I mean that, that Peter goes on to, de- to deny Jesus three times whenever he's uh, delivered to be um, crucified. Uh, and if we're just going to look at verses 22 and 23, we see that Peter goes from being blessed to being called an enemy based on what he said. So verse 18, he's, uh, he's essentially blessed by Jesus. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, because of the statement that he made in the verse prior. And then, not five verses later, verse 22, he's, re- he's rebuked by Jesus and called Satan because of the statement he made prior again. So, it, it's, it's, not, it's, it's, it's a changing thing depending on what he depending on what he says in this in this chapter. And of course we know that Christ is the chief cornerstone um, upon which the church is built. Look at Psalm 118, uh, verse 22. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, 11, Isaiah 28, 16. Excuse me, Ephesians 2, 19 through 20. All those verses point to the fact that Christ is the quote-unquote Pope. Um, he is the... He is the the head and the cornerstone of the church, and he's also the foundation. Um, now, the, the binding and loosing of things in heaven is not talking about some kind of role that was assigned to Peter that's exclusive to him and and to his successors, which the Catholics would call uh, the popes. Um, it's not this this ability to forgive sins or to to condemn what. What I believe it's saying is that, um, or what I believe it's not saying is that the Pope has the ability to do what has not been done already by God. Uh, Matthew eighteen fifteen through eighteen, going back there again. Jesus is giving instructions on how to carry out church discipline, right? He's instructing a group of people on what that process looks like, and he's he's saying that Christians have the ability to excommunicate or to allow people into the church based upon what God has already done. So essentially he's saying we can and really we have the we have the responsibility to um, allow those who are repentant into the church and cast out those who are unrepentant in their sins. Now as far as the keys to the kingdom of heaven go, um, I believe that they are uh, also a gift that are given that's given to all Christians, um, and what what that means is is first of all keys open doors, 
and any time that we, for example, are proclaiming the gospel to an unbeliever, we're essentially opening the door to the kingdom and, uh, and, and binding and loosing permits or allows entry into that kingdom. But remember, all that we are doing is not in our own authority, but rather the authority of the Father who has already elected some unto his eternal kingdom. And, um, and these two ideas are not exclusive to Peter and to his successors, but rather they apply to every believer and they are inherently connected in that the keys to the kingdom is just another word for for preaching the gospel or to to discipling somebody or proclaiming the gospel in public, um, making sure that unbelievers know what the gospel is, that we are inexcusable for their unrepentance, basically. And then binding and loosing things is just keeping the church free of wolves and making sure the sheep are actually in church. And uh, as, as Christians nowadays preach the gospel and make disciples, we are essentially opening the doors to believers and closing it for unbelievers. So really to wrap things up, hopefully this is a short episode. I, I can't see how, how long I've been going right now. But to wrap things up, we know that Peter was not the first pope. Um, I'll talk about this in the series uh, in the next couple episodes. But we can look at church history. We can look at um, Peter's actions and his writing in the rest of the New Testament and how, how others saw him um, as far as his role in the church goes. Uh, but we as Christians are called to to proclaim the gospel to all the nations and lead them to submission under Christ. As the Great Commission says, and I'll read that to you to wrap things up. So the Great Commission starting in verse 18 all the way to the end of the chapter says and jesus came up and spoke to them saying all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth go therefore and make disciples of all the nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit teaching them to observe all that i have commanded you and lo i am with you even to the end of the age and that is our command from christ Uh, i'll leave you with that for this week Um, And until next time, all glory to Christ.